Welcome to the Meadowlands, balling out in MetLife. Giants wanna take the field, but homie, this is jet life. I don't wanna take a deal, I just wanna make a flight. Even if it's unreal, see the Jets take the prize, you feel me? Curtis Martin, running you to exhaustion. AFC East, I'm off, and Patriots, Bills, and Dolphins. Jets logo side of the helmet, you know the drill. Gangrene infecting all of your players, we out to kill. Rushing the edge like Quentin Williams is staple. Attacking Jets in the center like Nick Mangle. No gloves, Wayne Kerbeck, killing your corners. This is old love, Revis Island, check that. Push you off the edge, and you can bet that. With Fireman Ed starting the Jet Chant. This take flight with Moji and K, make your heart stop. It's a Jets pod, tell them can't wait like Mark Scott. J-E-T-S Jets, reppin' the squad. J-E-T-S Jets, I'm on my job. J-E-T-S Jets, reppin' the squad. J-E-T-S Jets, I'm on my job. Take flight. We was gas in the lid. Take flight. We was gas in the lid. Take flight. Chillin' with Mochi and Cave. And it's all about the green. Reppin' the chest to the grave. What is up, Jets Nation? The Take Flight Podcast is back with Moji and Cave. And uh, it's official. We have a new head coach. Cave, kind of a big day for us here. Yeah, it is. Jets move much quicker than we were anticipating. Um, you know, kind of to get a coach in the first week of the playoffs is, I don't know. Is, I, think, I thought but the difference between our last part and this one, you know, when you hand Joe Douglas say, hey, we're going to slow walk this and things like that. He got in there. He had a quickie. He got in and out. I mean, I, I thought this was pretty fast, but overall, the Jets got their guy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they definitely moved quick, but I don't think it's because they kind of half-assed it, right? I think they were pretty thorough. So they did interview nine different coaches for this job. I know we talked about some of these possibilities last week on the podcast, Um and, you know, talked about the ones that were confirmed at the time. They ended up interviewing Sala, obviously. Uh, they interviewed Dayball. They interviewed Aaron Glenn. They interviewed Arthur Smith, uh, Eberflus, Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy, Brandon Staley, and Marvin Lewis. Um, I guess with COVID, obviously not all of these guys came in. They did a lot of Zoom calls and, you know, Skypes or whatever the case is. So they were able to knock out some of these interviews very, fairly quickly. They were banging out about two a day. Um Sala was the first one to get that second stage interview and actually come in, sit down with Joe Douglas, sit with, uh, you know, Chris Johnson, meet the rest of the front office. Um, I mean, and it must have went really well. So from what I heard, you know, Sala and Douglas were not very familiar with each other. You know, they really never worked together. There was no, you know, job crossover anywhere. So when they met with each other, apparently... The connection just started from the jump. Uh, both guys really respect each other and have very similar philosophies. Um, when you look at a guy like Sala, he is very fiery. He's a, you know, from everything you hear, he's a clear leader and someone that you want in charge of your franchise. Um, you know, it's been um, about 24 hours now, I would say, because we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, sorry, on Friday. Um you know, you really haven't heard anything negative about this hiring, right? Everyone's kind of happy. Everyone's praising it. Uh, former players love him. The, you know, his new players have a couple guys tweeted so far. And everyone seems to be excited so far and on the same page about this hire. Um, Yeah, you know, he's definitely, I would say, if there was ever a player's coach, he's that. Players love playing for him. Um, if you watch Niners games or if you ever even just on Twitter you will see every week there's a new gif of Rob Asala just because he's on the sidelines literally like looking choked 
pumping the crowd up, pumping the team up, things like that. Um, and, you know, that's something that players like to see, like to see a coach that's engaged. Uh, something that you talked about a lot was kind of Gates just, I guess, being there almost. I don't think you're going to see that at all from Robert Sala. I don't know if he's going to... I guess it's a little different when you're the head coach now. So I don't know if he's going to be still doing like him pumping his fist in the air after every single play. But that same energy and the same concepts will still be there a lot. Um, players love him. Players like playing for him. Uh, he's definitely looks like you know a guy that you definitely want to play with. Yeah. I, so some of the clips that because I've watched all the clips that are out there now, and uh, some of them, I mean, I, I still hope we do see that fiery side of him with the fist pumps aren't bad and you know getting guys hype. Him jumping around and jumping on actual players, I think, is a little much as a head coach. Uh, You're not getting that as a head no, coach. No, not as a head coach. <laughs> and I don't think you should, right? But you know, it's good to see him so invested. And I think it was from like week seven or eight when you guys played the Rams and. You know, there was like a big series where he, you know, the defense made two stops and then they made a stop on fourth down and he lost, like he, this guy lost it. And he's just like flexing on the sideline and getting everyone fired up. And, you know, the, you just see the players respond to that, especially when, it, you know, they're making a good play, right? And you have this guy sitting there and, you know, injecting such energy into the team. I mean, if your coach has that much energy and he's that fired up, it's got to just spread like wildfire throughout the locker room, right? You know, especially if things are going well. So, I mean, you can't have a more opposite guy than Salah is from Adam Case, and I think that that's the probably the right move. Um, you know, you have a coach here who clearly has a pair of stones on him, and that's the kind of coach you need in New York. Uh, I think he has that New York, New York attitude, New York mentality. He'll fit in well here. Um you know, but you, you look at it, Adam Gase brought zero energy to the team. You know, things didn't go well, and he made a bad call. He kind of just, like, walked around by himself. He wasn't engaging with any of the players, wasn't really engaging with any of his other coaches. I, you're not going to see that from Sully. He's going to be very involved. He's going to be, you know, coaching players up on the sideline the way you see some of the other really good coaches in the league do. Uh, so you're it's going to be totally different from what we saw from Adam Gase. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of the timeline, um, you know, Sala did spend Tuesday night. He got in probably, I don't know, like 5, 6 o'clock. Um, he met with Joe Douglas for a couple of hours at the facility on on, uh, on Tuesday night. I know Wednesday he went back and he ended up going out to eat with Douglas and he met Christopher Johnson that day. Um, and they spent a good portion of the day together Wednesday as well. Uh, with how long he was there, I'm kind of surprised they let him leave. But they did let him leave. Uh, I know after that he did go uh, interview with Philly. Um, the Jets did end up bringing in Arthur Smith, who was rumored to be their number two on their wish list. Um, so they brought Arthur Smith in, the former OC of the Titans. Uh, he came in Wednesday night. He had dinner with Chris Johnson and Joe Douglas and, you know, the rest of the Jets brass. Um, and then Thursday comes and, you know, probably about, I don't know what it was, like, 10 o'clock at night, something like that. Yeah, it was pretty Yeah, it was pretty late. Pre pretty late, yeah. Uh, you know, it comes out that the Jets have hired Sala. It's going to be a five-year deal. Um, so, hey, he was the number one. That's what we're hearing this whole time. He was the first guy on their, their coaching wish list. Um, you know, it seemed like Arthur Smith was number two, and then it, the feeling was Dable was like a distant third. Um, but the Jets went out. They got their guy. I know there was a little bit of hold-up one report. I don't remember where I read it. Uh, but apparently they were like – 
the Johnsons were a little bit iffy about going that extra $5 million, and I still have not seen a total contract amount yet, but apparently $5 million was the discrepancy. Um, the Jets felt better when Sala said that he would bring LaFleur in as the OC. Uh, I think the Jets were a little bit worried if he went with a different choice. They did want uh, LaFleur. Um, you know, so he's going to become our OC, which is great. Totally changes our offense, and uh, I'm excited to see how this team looks under Sala and what he brings. Yeah, I think um, Mike LaFleur was definitely a hot coach. Uh, obviously, his brother is Matt LaFleur over there with the Packers. Um, he was a hot coach last season. The year the Niners made their Super Bowl run, and he got a few OC opportunities, and the Niners just straight vetoed like any interviews right here. But Cal Shanahan's a good guy. I think, you know, he kind of just letting the guy spread his wings. That That's huge to me. I think that's probably the biggest story. Uh, more than anything, because typically with defensive coaches, sometimes, and I, and I think, you know, with the way the NFL looks right now, we've seen what defensive coaches all do, right, offensively. They're typically about the same, just bland, boring, hey, I, I'm going to run the ball 100 times, um, you know, if it's 4th and 1 on my own 40, even if the numbers kind of tell you to go for it and stuff like that, or, you know, 4th and 2, kind of what we've seen a trend happening with more trendy coaches, typically defensive coaches say, oh, I trust my defense, things like that. Over the course of the game, that will lose you the game. So getting a coach like Mike LaFleur, who's been under Shanahan, you know, obviously his brother is with the Packers. He has some good stock on him. Um, I will be interested in seeing that dynamic, though, kind of seeing how they run a team is it going to be kind of like robert Sala leading everything and you know the floor calling the offense or is it going to be like Sala handles defense and the force does offense you know what i'm saying kind of the way i'm looking at it and especially with all the uh hype that the floor had and a lot of teams wanted him i'm kind of looking at it as i guess what you see a lot in tennessee where Mike Vrabel has went it, you know, they've changed how many OCs now? Like like three or four? I think all his guys have gotten head coaching jobs, including Arthur Smith, who just got the job at uh, Atlanta, right? So I think you would see something more of like that, where Sala will be more so, you know, setting the direction for the team, but the offense was ran through, you know, when the floor was there, and, you know, with Arthur Smith, I think you'll see a lot of that too, where Sala's going to kind of be, you know, just setting the direction for the team and things like that, but most of the offense would go through LaFleur. Yeah, LaFleur is definitely going to be the guy calling plays. Um, I don't think it's going to be like when Rex Ryan was here, where Schottenheimer had full control of that offense and Rex really didn't even sit on offensive meetings, uh, and Rex was all about the defenses within defensive meetings all day long. I don't think it's going to be like that. I do think Sala will sit in on a lot of these offensive meetings. I do think he will be involved. I think that he will give his opinion. At the end of the day, I do think LaFleur will have a lot of say. He's going to lean on his staff. Um, there was a I, I forget when it was from. I think it was from before the season or, or you know, maybe a, a couple months ago. But there was a video on Instagram I saw of Sala talking about his coaching staff. Uh, and he's going to trust his guys. He's going to bring his guys in and he's going to trust these guys to get their job done. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll stay on the offense for a minute. I think that he will be involved, but the play calling is going to be all the floor. And I think that implementing the system, the Shanahan-style system that the Niners run currently, I think is what's going to happen here with the Jets. Um, so what is that system going to look like for us? It's going to be a lot of speed, a lot of spacing. They are going to like to run some spread. 
uh, and, you know, take advantage of one-on-one matchups. That's what you see the Niners do a lot. They are very good at running the ball. You're going to see a lot of play action. Uh, I think the Niners offense ran about 35% of their uh, passes this year were all play action. Um, so what does that mean for us moving forward? I think – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I thought you were asking. <laughs> no, I was just kind of posing the question, right? So I think that this kind of changes things a little bit with what our quarterbacks are going to look like next year. Um, you know, I w- let, let's let you talk about the offense too because you watch a lot more Niners games than I do. Um, you know, what What do you think? that? Obviously, we saw how bad Gase's offense was, right, and the lack of creativity uh, and the very bland vanilla offense we've had. Uh, I think all Jets fans are kind of excited at the promise and prospects of what this Shanahan offense can bring. Uh, so what do you think the big changes are going to be between the two? Um, the big things you're going to see is a lot – it's going to be a lot more run after catch. I don't think you're going to see more – I don't think, well, you weren't really seeing a bunch of deep balls, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of passes go past, like, five, seven yards, you know? Um, with the Niners, if you look at the receivers, they all look just alike. Uh, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, these are guys who are taking, like, five-yard five slants, kind of turn them to 15, 20 yards. Think, same thing with George Kittle. They typically run Kittle on a lot of outs, a lot of ends, and things like that, but he has that run after catch ability. Now, the difference between that, and I want people to also remember that too, is obviously, but the Jets don't have offensive players like that right now as it stands. You know, so you're going to be able to need to get guys in like that. I think if he stays, I think one person that you can kind of see benefit a lot from this type of offense would be uh, Jamison Crowder because that's going to be somebody you're going to get out in space, kind of get out in the open, you know, kind of hit them on a uh, quick slant. If you kind of look at the Niners' offense last year, um, when Debo was healthy, he got damn near every catch behind the line of scrimmage. It was just a bunch of swing passes, things like that, and he was taking those, like, one-yard catches for, like, 10, 11 yards every play. Um, you're going to see a lot of play action, like you said. Running-wise, you're going to see a lot of zone running offense. So the Niners like to run on the edges and things like that. Um, Kyle Shanahan is somebody who abuses a Texas route, which is the angle route. Um, he uses it a, that a lot from the backfield. I think another thing you might see, and I don't know if LaFleur might do this, but Kyle Shanahan's kind of a guy who's like, I don't really care about running backs. Um, he's getting a lot of production on running backs. You've seen it with Raheem Mostert, who was a special teams guy, and he led the league uh, during the Niners Super Bowl run. So I think you're going to see, you know, LaFleur kind of get a lot of production out of running backs. That's something that Kyle Shanahan offense does. You know, if you can fit the offense, he's going to make sure you produce from Alfred Morris to Mostert. Um, who else? Mc, Mc, uh, Tevin Coleman, McKinnon, a bunch of guys just producing that offense. It's a it's a friendly offense. Not nothing too complicated. So you're going to definitely see a lot of, you know, open field stuff. Yeah, and I think that there's a couple of guys here already that kind of fit this offense well. I think Crowder can be successful. I think a guy like Ty Johnson could be very successful with his ability to, you know, make quick cuts and get up the field. And, uh, you know, you saw what he did in, in the swing game for us this year and things like that. Um, I think Denzel Mims could translate to this offense very well. He is pretty quick. He is physical and has run after the catch ability. Um, but it's going to be interesting, right? So you talk about a lot of, you know, behind the line of scrimmage stuff. It's going to look different than what we saw with Gase, though. It's not going to be the same little bubble screens and the same, you know, regular kickout wide receiver screen. This offense will be a lot more creative. He is going to use a lot more play action and, you know, roll the quarterback out of the pocket. Um, 
you know, the offense is predicated on getting the ball out quick. It's going to be short, safe throws, very West Coast style, and moving the ball down the field, right? And let, letting your playmakers make plays. Uh, it's not going to be one of those offenses where whoever the quarterback is sits back there for, you know, four, five, six, seven seconds looking deep down the field and trying to, you know, let these deep developing routes come to be. Um, and I think that that's going to help our old line a lot as well. And it will help, hopefully, help keep our quarterback upright and, you know, not have to worry about getting hit so much. So now let's get to the quarterback situation because, you know, it was probably about an hour, hour and a half after the Sala news broke last night that everything kind of shifted and now we're hearing reports that Sam Darnold is going to be the quarterback. Um, Adam Schefter tweeted this, a couple other people are tweeting this. I don't know how that came to be so quick. And I, th I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, this man, I don't even think, was in the building, back in the building yet to sign the contract. And they're already saying that, oh, that's it. Sam's going to be the new quarterback. I, that, like, that decision hasn't been made yet. Yeah, I'm sure they talked about it. I'm sure that was a big piece of the interview when he sat down with the Johnsons and he sat down with uh, Joe Douglas. But that decision is not final. It has not been made. And honestly, what do you expect you know, the coach to say, obviously he's going to say good things about a guy he really isn't familiar with. You know, he's going to say that generic, yeah, you know, he's our quarterback, you know, and we'll address everything else later kind of thing. And, uh, I just think that it's very premature to be announcing that Sam is going to be the quarterback next year. If you uh, are trying to, sorry, real quick, if you're trying to trade someone, right? Obviously, you want to make it seem like we still have interest in this guy to raise his value. You're not going to come out and say, yeah, no, Sam's gone. I just want to get rid of him. That, that dimi quickly diminishes his trade value. So whatever our return is, is going to be less if we kind of just come out and say, yeah, we don't have faith in Sam. He's not going to be here next year. So they're never going to come out and say that, right? And the other thing is uh, you have the GM and you have the head coach both on five-year deals. If they draft a quarterback this year, that quarterback is also going to be on a four-year deal with a fifth-year option. That ties your GM, your head coach, and your quarterback all together for the same length of contract. I really don't think you're going to roll the dice on Sam Darnold here, who has to get paid somewhere in that $20 million range after next year uh, to be able to re-sign him. And you're picking number two in the draft. I think that with a, new, a newer GM in his, you know, second year here and you have a brand new coach both of these guys are here for the next five years if you could tie your quarterback up to five-year deal with those guys as well and you know hey this is joe douglas's shot he's got his coach he's gonna have his quarterback remember he did not draft sam i i just think that it makes too much sense for them to pass up on this opportunity to go get a quarterback and you know kind of roll the dice and try to fix things with sam um yeah Cliff Kingsbury said that Josh Rosen was his quarterback before selecting Calamari like a few months later. Um, definitely take this with a super grain of salt. Um, do I think that the current staff believes in Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think he has a lot of traits and a lot of different things that, you know, LaFleur can definitely work with. Um, but do I also think that, you know, Joe Douglas kind of knows like, hey, if I don't get this right, I might be out of a job. Same thing with Robert Sala. Yeah. Do I know what they're going to do to the number two pick? Not really. Um, I don't even think that they've necessarily have had those discussions just yet. Maybe just 
you know, kind of beginning of talks, but I don't think that they've went into like, hey, we know exactly who we're going to draft right here, right here, this pick. No. So, you know, seeing that Sam Donald's the starter quarterback is just, I think it's really obvious. He's really the only quarterback you have right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't think you could say nothing besides that. Once we start to get more into, you know, draft combine and things like that, we'll have a much clearer picture of what we're looking at. But for right now, I think that they were just saying that, you know, for more so PR. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Shefty tweeted that and kind of ran with it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, so that brings you to the next thing. It's like Jets Twitter last night. And as for as united as everyone seemed to be on the head coach, uh, I think everyone was happy. All the players were happy. You saw tweets from Beckton and Quinn and Williams coming out showing support. Uh, former players came out and showed support like uh, Sherman and... Um, the D-tackle DeForest Buckner, all of these guys coming out and talking great things, saying great things about Salah uh, and how lucky the Jets are. The rest of Jets' Twitter was very split when it comes to quarterback, right? Because this offense, the way that it's set up, could work really well for Sam Darnold. It could, this could be a good offense for him. He could run this offense. But this could also be a very good offense for Zach Wilson. And... You know, with his intangibles and how he plays and, you know, the speed that he brings, it it might be a better fit for Zach Wilson than it is for Sam Darnold. And then you see the third camp, all the Fields fans who wanted uh, Fields to come in and be the quarterback. I, I don't know if this is the perfect offense for Fields, right? So it feels like a week ago, Fields was going to be the guy. And now it seems like he kind of took a step back with this Shanahan offense being implemented. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Cave? Um, if you're looking at more so, I guess, I guess projections, you would project that Fields would project good in this offense, but you have to remember too, like at Ohio State, they're not taking a bunch of snaps on the centers and things like that. He's not, you know, really making a bunch of different reasons along the scrimmage. So Zach Wilson leans more towards, I guess, quote unquote, pro ready. Um, but if you're projecting like mobility and things like that, they're like neck and neck and fields like a monster running as well. So your, your projection for fields would look better in the offense going forward. But right now, Zach Wilson has shown that, you know, he's a much better quarterback in the play action and things like that, moving around the pocket. Um, but Sam Darnold can do that as well, right? Like kind of when he get on the edge, he has some wheels on him. So I think that is going to be very, very close. Um, if you're putting a gun in my head and you're making me pick, I would say ultimately just looking at the tools and productions and things like that, I think that, and especially with the way, you know, feels kind of slid in some games, um, I think that, you know, all signs kind of point towards Zach Wilson, but I wouldn't be surprised either if they took Justin Fields, and I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, hey, let's keep Sam Darnold Let's get a reclamation project in the later rounds and let's just give it, give him one more shot and see what happens in a more stable environment. Um, all three of those are very good options. And I think that's what the Jets have to figure out in these next coming week is exactly what do they want to do going forward? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just to touch on Wilson real quick, uh, I know you mentioned his ability off the play action. He finished ranked number one, according to pro football focus, uh, NCAA, um, 
he was through 20 touchdowns this year off of play action, which is first in the NCAA. He had zero interceptions on play actions, and he had a 154.0 passer rating, which is also good for first in the NCAA this year. So the guy clearly can run play action, and he runs it well. Yeah, he, he definitely can. Um, I, I, if you're looking at another quarterback that fits the Shanahan offense, I don't know if he will be there with that second first, and it would not surprise me, though, if the Jets kind of went, like, considered going receiver at number two, and then maybe coming back in the later first round and getting Mac Jones if he's still there, because he's somebody who has a lot of those tools. His, he's very accurate on a deep ball. Um, he's somebody that's good in a play-action passing game. He's kind of – he's not as fragile as his player, but he's he's a more athletic, I would say, Kirk Cousins. You know, he's, he's more of, of that mode um, from Alabama – that's not a move that would shock me. Kind of like, hey, let's get a bank for our buck pick, get a receiver at two, or maybe even looking at trading it. And on the back end, let's get a quarterback that can also fit our offense as well. Um, you know, kind of give Sam another year, see what he got. It, they have tons of options, especially with those multiple first-round picks this year. Yeah, there's there's definitely a bunch of different ways that they can go. Um, again, it's way too early to kind of lock them into, yeah, Sam is going to be the quarterback. Uh, so that's going to be a fluid situation. Obviously, Sala and Joe Douglas are going to want to sit through all of their scouting and compare notes and go over different things and players that they're looking at. Um, they're going to talk about, you know, however these private workouts and combines and all that, like all of that stuff is going to come into effect and it's going to matter. Uh, so it's definitely way too early to kind of focus on pick two. But those conversations are going to start being had inside the building between these two men. So, so wait, I, I want to throw a super hot take. Here we go. Uh, no, 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 no. Like I'm saying like scorching hot, right? If now this makes sense, right? Um, the advantage that LaFleur is going to have is that number one, he was under Shanahan and San Fran. So I, Garoppolo, I don't think he's coming at all. So that's not a whole nother story. But with his brother being with, Green Bay, what if, you know, his brother Matt says, hey, Jordan Love's looking pretty solid right now. And the Jets, especially with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing and his contract is kind of hard to get off of, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that they can really risk letting Love sit for like four or five years, especially with the way Rodgers is playing right now. What do you think about that? (laughs) So... The second that the Packers drafted Love, I said that this is such a waste of a pick. There's no yeah. way this guy's playing. You knew Aaron Rodgers was going to... I bet Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP this year, and I'm going to win that bet. Uh, you just knew that this guy was going to have a fire lit under him, and he was going to have an unbelievable season. That's just the type of guy Rodgers is. You can't slight him like that. He's going to throw it back in your face. Um, so... I never thought that that was a good draft pick. It's really hard for a team to take a quarterback. That quarterback can never play and then them trade him. I think that you, I mean, you never see that, right? Especially a guy you take in the first round. Um, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm going to say it's very unlikely. Um, I just think that if they can give three years of grooming to love and then maybe a long time, right? But how long did Roger sit? Yeah, he had Brett Favre ahead of him. What's the difference? He he. Had, the difference is like Love has Aaron Rodgers Brett in front Favre, of him. 
Brett Favre wasn't playing like Aaron Rodgers is playing right no, now. No, I That's I agree, I agree. Rodgers is playing better. He is. This is his best year. I understand I mean, that. I I get it. <laughs> I know, but I just don't think you're gonna take a quarterback in the first round. The kid's never gonna get a chance to play for you because your other quarterback's playing well, and and you move him. I just don't see them doing that. I mean, hey, it, it's an option. It could happen. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I just don't see that happening. I, I, I'm saying with the Jets draft capital, right? Now, what do you give up for him? What if they just say, y'all want this Seattle pick for him? Just get get, get whatever you I, I don't him. even feel good about it. Like, I, I would be upset with that trade. I think a lot of people would be upset with that trade. But if you're looking at it from the Packers standpoint, like, hey, we're getting what we got back for him. And then if you look at the Jets' standpoint, you know, if he was in this class, because he's only 22, where would you kind of rank him at? Realistically, I, he, he would be up there. He'd be up there, sure. Would he be the number two guy? I don't know. It would be close. I'm not going to lie. It would be super close. Like, so from both parties, it makes it... I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that it's not a far It's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's a creative yeah. thought. Matt, Matt LaFleur sees this guy every day in practice. He calls his brother. Hey, you guys are in the market for a quarterback. We kind of messed up last year. Let's let's see if we can work some things out. Um, and you know how NFL con- trades are as well, right? You might even have um, like uh, compensation and stuff like that. If he makes a Pro Bowl up into a fir- little stuff like that. I'm saying that it's something that especially the way Aaron Rodgers is playing. The Packers would be losing their minds to try to get off that man right now. I don't think that they, they can't do that. There's no way, you know? I, I, mean, I agree and, with you. I agree with you from there, that perspective that Rodgers is the guy and he's going to be the guy until his arm shows otherwise. And I don't think that that's within the next two years. I think the way that he's playing, he's got a good yeah. four or five years left. And yeah, that that is a long time, right? Because then you waste that whole rookie contract and this guy never mm-hmm. gets a shot yep. to play. And then he's a... Fr- Yes. And then you have to you pay him. And, and, right, exactly. Now, I don't think the Jets are going to love that they lose a year on that. Um, I think that if they're going to move off of Sam, they do want the five years of having the quarterback under control, well, at least four years plus the, the fifth-year option, where if they take love, they're down to three years, and then that fourth year they would have the option. They're losing a year. But, I mean, it's not bad, right, because you do have a year if the guy, you know, practicing and being in this very similar type of system um, – you know, LaFleur, Matt LaFleur is going to teach him a lot of different things that Michael Ford would teach him as well. Uh, so it, it's not crazy. I just think that, I, I I don't know. I just feel for me, I would not love trading pick 23 for a guy that isn't really going to play anyway. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of this swirling around out there, right? That, you know, teams are trying to give first round picks to go get love from the Packers. So it feels like a lot. I, I don't know though it's an interesting topic yeah, it's definitely interesting I'm looking at it I'm looking at it from from a drag capital standpoint where let's be honest all the picks that Jets got they're not going to hit on every single pick right you're going to get some guys and you're going to hit on you're going to get some guys in to kind of fill the team out and stuff like that and with having two first they still have a second am I right mm-hmm. those are damn near back to back yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you really think about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you want to trade pick 34, I'd feel a little bit better that, about that. Same thing. Same thing to me. I mean, 20, what is it? 25, 23, 26? 23. 23. Okay. Yeah, 20, uh, yeah, 23 or 34. That's a big gap. Okay. But if you're kind of getting one of those picks and for somebody that you have, I guess, inside info on, because it's going to be coming from his brother. It's going to be good info. 
Um, he has no reason to kind of F them over, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're in different conferences, not in the same division and things like oh, that. Oh, of course, yeah. It's the way Rodgers is playing, the Packers can right their wrong, and the Jets can get somebody who they can feel confident and strong about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's risky, don't get me wrong, but it's something I can certainly see. Like, if that happened, like, I wouldn't be like, oh. Like, I would get it from both sides. I honestly would. I, yeah, I, yeah. It's definitely a hot take. Um, it's hot. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill it and, and say there's no chance, you know. But it's something that I, I still think they took, they took Jordan Love for a reason because they are unsure about the longevity of Aaron Rodgers. And yes, he has looked absolutely fantastic this year. You cannot deny how good he has been. I still think they are worried that he only has two to three years left, even though he was so good this year, just because of his age. They are expecting that to drop off severely at some point, and they don't want to be caught with their pants down when it happens. I think they'd rather be prepared and let love sit and be ready and waiting in the wings for that day to come than for them to kind of, you know, reset that and, hey, maybe we go the next two years without taking a first-round quarterback that we like where we pick because they're not going to trade up to do it, right? So, you know, finding that guy that falls to them where they're picking, I I don't know. Like, when is that guy coming? So I think if you have him in the building and, and you really like Jordan Love, they they took a first, they took him in the first round last year. So they clearly love him in that building. Um, I, I just don't see it happening for now. But, hey, that could change. We don't know. Let's move on because that was definitely a hot take. Let's talk about the defense. Um, so – Obviously, Salah comes over as the former Niners defensive coordinator. The Niners last season in 2019 were the second-ranked defense in the league. This year in 2020, they were the fifth-ranked defense in the league. And this one being at five is much more impressive just because of the roster that he was using. Uh, The Niners had the most players on IR. They had the most percentage of cap space, um, you know, kind of like the Jets were a year ago. They had the most percentage of cap space on the injured reserve list. Um, So he was using a lot of guys that were practice squad players, a lot of guys out of position, and he was very creative this season and was able to make that defense still a top five defense. It is super impressive. Um, You know, his players rave about him. They just say his preparation, his attention to detail, um, you know, his ability to coach guys up and and help players understand their role and, and what they're their main goal is for each play. Uh, that's all stuff that is going to translate well to the young guys that the Jets have. Uh, when you look at this Jets defense, I think that a guy like Quinn and Williams is going to benefit heavily from having Salah. Um, you know, I think CJ Mosley coming back is going to be fantastic for Salah in this defense. So mm-hmm. th- there's definitely some good players here that are going to translate well. Um, and don't be surprised if, you know, this defense starts to bring in some of those Niners castaways like. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Richard Sherman signs a one-year deal either. here in the offseason, yep. you know, guys like that. So um, I think Sherman would be a great hire, maybe help coach up a guy like Blasson Austin and Bryce Hall and some of the younger secondary members that the Jets do have. Um, so, look, I'm all for it. Hopefully he could turn Ashton Davis into a starter. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what this hap- what happens. Um, now, the defense is going to change. Salah does run a 4-3. I don't know the last time the Jets were a 4-3. It feels like before Rex Ryan. Uh, I feel like we've always been a 3-4 for a very long time now. Um, you know, going all the way back to, like, Mangini. Um, 
I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see a 4-3. I think we have the personnel to run 4-3. I think what you saw this year at Afatu Kasi and guys like Nate Shepard um, at D-Tackle, I think that they can play 4-3 really well. They won't have to worry about getting double-teamed every play. Uh, Quinn Williams is a guy you can move to a 4-3 D end or play him at 4-3 D tackle. Um, but they're going to have to go get edge rushers, man. You're going to need a guy who can go out there and set the edge. I don't think that we have enough of those guys. Um, you know, we have our situational guys like a Frankie Louvu uh, that we saw be productive when he returned this year. Basham had a good year this year. So guys like that will be nice situational pass rushers, but you need guys to go out there and set the edge. So the Jets definitely have to go get another edge rusher, but we've been saying that for years now. Yeah, um, Jets definitely are going to need to address the edge concerns. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like you said before, that they just kind of, I guess, get a bunch of the guys that the Niners have had. And, and not even necessarily castaways. Like, he's helped, like, flip a lot of people's careers. Um, Kawan Williams had the best year to him. Jason Verrett this year had a, had an amazing year. Richard Sherman obviously was still playing up to how he needs to play. Um, Jimmy Ward, somebody like that. One thing that I do like about Robert Sala, and we touched on this on the last time we talked about him, is he makes adjustments defensively. The issue with defensive coaches, a lot of them are so stubborn, it is disgusting, right? Where it's like, oh, it's my defense, my defense, it always works no matter what, right? Like, it's it's the players, is this is that, I'm not changing. He went from running a cover three shell the first year he got there, which is pretty much with you know, he learned from being over there up in Seattle to switching his defense completely on his head and, and running a wide nine, which is where the DNs are like really spread out. A lot of what you've seen, um, who was this? Colin Farrell do versus Becton when they played Oakland, where he was like so far outside the tackles, the wide nine. He's somebody who's willing to make those adjustments. One thing that's going to drive Jets fans crazy is he does drop his D tackles and coverage a lot. I don't know why he does it. Don't ask me. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, but he does do that a fair amount. But overall, um, defensively is where I think the Jets are going to definitely be on their P's and Q's. If the offense can just be solid enough, I think the Jets are going to have a good season next year. Obviously, we need to see what free agency looks like um, and draft and things like that. But it can't get no worse than last season, right? Um, one team to compare it to would be the in-division team would be, and this is something that you kind of touched on, kind of what you want, is, you know, somebody like Flores, right? You know, kind of a gritty in-your-face coach, somebody that's going to be a no-nonsense guy that can set the tempo. The offense is good enough to kind of keep you in games and win games, and we've seen what the Dolphins look like, and that was them switching quarterbacks damn near every quarter, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm looking forward to it, man. I really think that this defense could be good this year, um, especially if you go out and you get maybe some guys like a Richard Sherman in there to kind of shore up that cornerback spot. Maybe a Jaquiski Tart to pair him with Ashton Davis. Yep. That's a or uh, and Marcus May. Like you have those three guys in, in at safety, and you can move Ashton Davis maybe around. Um, you know, maybe move one of those guys up in the box and leave two safeties deep. Like there's different things you could do. Um, so they're gonna get creative. They they have some playmakers now, but you know, about $90 million in cap space, they're going to shore up some of that defense as well. I'm excited to see what Mosley looks like coming back. Hopefully he's healthy and can get back in football shape. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in as their defensive coordinator as well uh, to fill out this staff. So some of the potential guys that you're seeing the names out there, D'Amico Ryans is out there a lot. Um, I would not be surprised if he, and you and me kind of talked about this pre-show, um, he may just get promoted from the Niners. I don't know if he would, 
jump all the way over here to get a, a DC job, but you know that's to be seen. Um, Chris Richard from the Cowboys, the former DB coach over there, uh, and then you have Wade Phillips, the former Rams defensive coordinator, has been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, Wade Phillips did tweet out this afternoon around noon that he is ready to come out of retirement and he is available. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's letting it be known that he's ready to return to coaching. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wade Phillips is the hire. Um, I think Wade's done a, a pretty decent job as a DC. Obviously, he's not a great head coach, but he's done a pretty good job as a DC throughout his career. I, I don't think it would be the worst fit. Um, I'm a little, I don't know. I, I, I think the game is passed Wade by. Um, <laughs> might, I mean, it might, but I so where where this is different, right? Salah's going to have some say on the offense, but it's going to be a lot more Lafleur driven. Salah is going to have all the say on the defense. I would be very surprised if. You know, he doesn't call plays from time to time there. He may not call plays all the time, but he is going to have a lot of say on this defense. Um, it's going to be his system. So, I mean, I'm not so, too worried about the D.C. One thing that we've touched on, and I said this as well, and I think you did as well, is don't be surprised if you start to see those weird names kind of creep up as they're interviewing. Um, just because we both were feeling like they were going to hire a younger head coach, which is what Sala is. I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't. Their philosophies might not match up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a defensive coordinator like a Marvin Lewis type kind of come in. You know, somebody who has that NFL experience that Sala can look to. Um, because you gotta think this is going to be number one his first head coaching job. This is going to be Lafleur's first time calling offense. You know, essentially, because Shanahan did most of that in San Francisco. Like, you're going to need Dell's veteran presence to kind of look at and look to. Um, that's why Wade Phillips is a little longer in the tooth for me, but Marvin Lewis is somebody who's been around. He has some playoff experience, um, even though he's one and done every year. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. I would say Dan Quinn, but here I got hired by, I think, Dallas. Something along those lines I can definitely see happening. Him taking a shot at a first-time D.C., along with him being a first-time head coach and a first-time offensive coordinator, I, uh, I, I don't know about that one. I It's a lot. I agree. It's a lot of unknown and a lot of gamble. Um, you know, initially, I thought that the Aaron Glenn interview that we did was definitely more for to see if he would be a good DC in the future. If we went with a guy like Arthur Smith, who was a more offensive coach um, with Sala being here, I don't, I think that kind of eliminates Aaron Glenn from coming in and being the DC. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's going to want one of his guys, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would prefer to have someone with a little more season under them, you know, but I mean, look, if we're going to roll the dice, might as well roll the dice, right? If we can go get a good up-and-coming young DC. And I know a lot of people are talking about, um, you know, you can't, you got to be careful because a lot of these coordinators are going to leave in the future. I know Lef people are iffy about LaFleur because he might be gone in two years. Or if he's, it, yeah, if that offense takes off, he's gone. Right, but, but here's my thing. When was the last time the Jets had a good coordinator that left to go get a head coaching job somewhere? It doesn't happen because our, 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 we're terrible on offense and we're terrible on defense. It doesn't happen, right? So if we're playing well enough and our team looks good enough that in two years we have to replace our offensive coordinator or our defensive coordinator, I'm okay with that. And we probably had a pretty good two years. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to settle for that. Uh, I'm not going to worry about hiring a coach just because he might be out of here in three years. Like, 
you go get the best guy, the guy who could turn the team around the quickest, the guy who can teach the young players on this team the best way possible to be successful. And listen, if they go better their their lives and go get a job as a head coach elsewhere, good for them, man. I wish them the best. Uh, but I want the best coaches on this staff now to help turn this team around. I'm not worried about, all right, this guy might be gone in three years, so maybe we shouldn't hire this person. Yeah, you just do what... Mike uh, Mike Vabor was doing in Tennessee. He kept switching OCs. Guys are getting hired. He's hiring from within. Um, if you're getting, if coaches are constantly getting plucked from your staff, you, you're building something great. I mean, it is what it is at that point. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna live with that. Um, a little news was made today as well. Uh, we do have a wide receivers coach now. Former Cowboys wide receiver Miles Austin uh, will be taking over as the Jets wide receivers coach. He was with the Niners as the quality control coach in 2019. He is also a New Jersey native. Um, so, you know, nice to see them get him in the door. Uh, I remember Miles Austin from when I was a kid watching him play. It's nothing special, but hey, he's been in the NFL. He knows how to run routes, pretty good hands. And, you know, if he can work with some of our receivers and teach them some things, I'm all for it. Um, some other notes on Salah, 41 years old, obviously the former Niners DC, did set, uh, did make history. He is the first Muslim head coach in the NFL. Um, you know, and I, I really love everything that I've heard about this guy so far. Um, obviously, the videos of him going nuts on the sideline are one thing, but. <laughs> You know, everyone really has had good things to say, man. Uh, I know that John Lynch did get in touch with Albert Breer, who tweeted this out on Twitter. Uh, he describes Salah as very smart. He's a tremendously gifted leader. He'll be ready for this challenge. Uh, he said the Niners are going to miss him dearly, but they're better than, you know, he left them better off than before he got there. Um, they're definitely proud of what he's going to accomplish, and the Jets are very fortunate. Richard Sermon said the Jets are very fortunate to get this guy. So, I mean, you're hearing good things. I'm excited to see his press conference when he, you know, officially sits down and talks to the media for the first time. Um, you know, those press conferences aren't always the end-all, be-all, but I think it's really going to set the tone for what his coaching tenure is going to look like here in New York. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't come coked up out of his mind like the other guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that people are definitely going to be watching him. Um, and definitely, you know... With some of the praise that Joe Douglas have gotten and Robert Sala, this is this is a time to really turn the franchise around. You know, if not now, I don't know when. But like for right now, you know, it looks like the Jets are definitely headed in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought my boy Arthur's with the job, but we'll we'll, we'll live with Sala and, and Lafleur, man. We'll live with that for right now. I'm not gonna lie. As the week kind of progressed and Sala left the building, I was a little bummed out because. The more research you do on Salah, the more, I don't know, I have more faith in him to be able to get the job done, I guess is the right way to put it, right? Where Arthur Smith, when he was visiting and I was like, eh, if we settle for Smith, I feel like we're settling. I feel like he doesn't bring that fire and that like gusto that Salah's going to give you. And he, he personality-wise, Arthur Smith reminds me very much of Gase. Um, I could be totally wrong on that, but just like first impressions of just seeing him on the sideline, he looks that way. And I think Sal is just such the complete opposite and is fiery and it's is going to be, yeah, he's more Rex Ryan, but I think he's, I think he's a lot more in control than Rex Ryan. I feel Rex Ryan was very like 
wild and out of control and just said anything that came to his head. Um, I think that Rex had a very big mouth and sometimes painted an unnecessary target on himself and on the team. I think Salah's a little bit more calculated. I think Salah's definitely going to think things through a little bit more and not just wing things. And I feel Salah has a better control of the team, right? Rex mm -hmm. was not involved on offense. I don't think Salah is going to be that way. I think he is going to be very involved in all aspects of the team. And he just feels like more of a leader, right? Like Rex felt like the head guy at the frat house, right? Like he, he kind of just like worked his way up there and everyone just follows him because he's funny where I think that Sala commands respect a little bit differently. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. Like I, when he left and we didn't hire him on Wednesday and, and he left the building, I was definitely a little bit bummed out because I, I don't know. I just feel like he's the kind of guy we need right now to turn this thing around. And I love Joe Douglas. I think Joe Douglas is going to do a great job. Listen, Sala was like the top head coach in Canada out there. Every team out there wanted him. They all were looking to bring him in for interviews. He was a very hot commodity. And for the first time, I feel like the Jets went out, they got their guy, and they got it right. That's not something you could say a lot. It feels totally different than two years ago when we hired Adam Case. Yeah, you know, they definitely got it right. Um, getting, uh, uh, like I said before, pairing him with the floor is going to be huge. I need to see what they're doing DC-wise. Um, I think bringing in a veteran defensive coordinator or, you know, what did the NFL like to use? Advisory or something like that when they hiring veteran coaches to kind of oversee the team. Doing things like that can definitely help soften the blow a little bit for this upcoming season. Um, but if he kind of runs out there with another young guy, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. But, you know, overall, I thought it was going to be Smith. Um, I didn't think that they would go defense at all, a defensive coach, mostly because, you know, getting a new quarterback or if you want to retool Sam, all the things we talked about on the coaching preview pod, um, I thought that the Jets would definitely go offense. I thought it was going to be Smith or Eric um, over there with the Chiefs, but, you know, Salah is nice and also be able to get LaFleur. It's going to be an interesting season coming up, man. You're going to see a lot of funny gifts from Salah, at least, you know, that for sure. So everything else is up in the air, but the gifts are going to be amazing. I I want any coach that needs another coach to hold him back off the sidelines. That That's the kind of guy I want, and that's the kind of guy we got. Um, he's like he's a damn UFC fight. Yeah, he's, he's a lunatic. I mean, a lot of people compare him to a young Pete Carroll, man, and you know how fiery and how energetic Pete is on that sideline, and the team responds to that stuff, and hopefully if Salah could be the same way and, and be as successful as Pete Carroll's been in his career, I'll be very happy. Um, the only other thing I want to touch on is... Uh, I don't know if you saw the story, but it, it's too funny not to bring up, of when Sala gets to the headquarters where the Jets are, right, and, and goes for the meeting, there's a guy in the bushes hiding out in front of, in front of the, uh, the headquarters taking pictures, and he's tweeting it and kind of giving a live update as, as things progress. So Salah's truck pulls up and he tweets it and, you know, he's like hiding out here in the bushes and, you know, he waits for Salah to leave and he's like giving updates and we didn't hear from him for a while and like all the Jets Twitter was following along and I thought it was really funny. The guy, everyone's joking around that he passed out, but I have to say the Jets have the best fan base in the world because no other fan base can just get through such an awful season as bad as it was like this is a low for us. We haven't seen something this awful in a very, very long time. And 
you know, this fan base, they do crazy things like that all the time. I I know when Le'Veon Bell went free agency started and everybody on Twitter was looking to get Lev Bell and he dropped the album and said that he was going to announce in the album where he was going and where he was signing. Every Jet fan was up at like one o'clock in the morning listening to Lev Bell's album. Now we have guys hiding out in the bushes. Like the Jets, Jets fans just do such crazy things and go so far above and beyond for the love of this team. And I love it, man. It makes me happy to be a Jets fan. And I love when everyone's on the same page. Everyone seems very fired up about this hiring. You got dudes waiting out in the bushes to make sure that we hire this guy. And uh, things like that, I just love it. So I want to shout out to Jets Nation because you guys are awesome. And it definitely makes being a Jet fan more tolerable because the product we see on the field doesn't always do that. So shout out to you guys. Um, I have nothing left to talk about here with Salah. I'm looking forward to this. I'm very excited this was the hire. Cave, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, no, I think we covered everything, um, some fairly quickly, happy it's over, it didn't feel like it was going to drag, you know, months and months at a time, and, uh, yeah, just got their guy, and let's see how he fills the staff out, and let's see what happens going forward to draft. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. That is the next big thing. I'm sure they're going to sit down, go over all of the players that they have on the roster right now, um, kind of come up with a plan for free agency, the guys they want to keep, the guys they want to move on from, who potential targets are going to be. Uh, once we get closer to the end of the playoffs and the opening of you know, kind of free agency, we're definitely going to come back do a free agency podcast, talk about all the guys I want to re-sign, give an update of where our cap space is, Um and then talk about all the potential free agent candidates and what positions I think we need to target and kind of go through all of those possibilities. Um, you know, once the draft gets here and the combine, we'll touch on all that stuff as well, but that's a little bit away. So Jets Nation, I appreciate you guys following us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you guys soon. Bye. Welcome to the Meadowlands, balling out in MetLife. Giants want to take the field, but homie, this is jet life. I don't want to take a deal, I just want to make a flight. Even if it's unreal, see the Jets take the prize, you feel me? Curtis Martin running you to exhaustion. AFC East, I'm off, and Patriots building Dolphins. Jets logo side of the helmet, you know the drill. Gang green affecting all of your players, we out to kill. Rushing the edge like Quentin Williams is stable. Attacking Jets in the center like Nick Mangle. No gloves, Wayne Corbett killing your corners. This is old love, Revis Island, check that. Push you off the edge, you can bet. That. Well, fireman Ed starting the jet chat. This take flight with Moji and K make your heart stop. It's a Jets pod. Tell them can't wait like Mark Scott. J E T S Jets. Reppin' the squad. J E T S Jets. I'm on my job. J E T S Jets. Reppin' the squad. J E T S Jets. I'm on my job. Take flight. We was gassing the lid. Take flight. We was gassing the lid. Take flight. Chillin' with Moji and K. Man, it's all about the green. Reppin' the Jets to the grave. 